Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest on Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Late this summer and well into the fall, the world watched as California burned. A series of wildfires, including the Mendocino Complex Fire and Camp Fire in Northern California, as well as others throughout the state, combined to burn nearly 2 million acres, causing $3.5 billion in damage, displacing an estimated 5,000 people, and killing at least 88. The destruction of these fires reminds us of the increase in frequency and devastation in this country as a result of natural disasters. Last year, Hurricane Harvey caused catastrophic flooding in the Houston area, causing a staggering and record-setting $125 billion in damage, displacing tens of thousands and causing the deaths of over 100. These destructive events have prompted debates about disaster preparedness, climate change, and the ability of the federal government to respond to increasingly destructive natural disasters. And while all of those are worthwhile questions, sometimes the lasting personal effect of these events is lost in the debate, the people uh, who are directly affected. I'm joined today by two women who experienced these events firsthand. Dana Willis is a registered veterinary technician in the Bay Area who did animal rescue work during the Northern California fires. And Wendy Thomason is an art consultant whose family suffered considerable losses as a result of Hurricane Harvey. I'm very grateful to both of them for coming on the show to share their stories. Thank you and welcome to both of you. I'd like to start with you, Dana, because in your situation, the fires did not come to you. You went to the fires (laughs) to try to help. Uh, Can you? I did. (laughs) A little bit about, yeah, it's remarkable. (laughs) Uh, and, and admirable. Can you tell me a little bit about how you made that decision? Have you done rescue work before? Do, do you work with a specific organization? I come from a family of firefighter men. And uh, so they're usually the ones running to the fires right? in order to get out of there. That's the only way that your livestock will survive is you just have to let them go. And they were showing videos of horses just roaming the streets so is there, just for me, because I don't know, is there a considerable amount of livestock in that area in Paradise yes. or another area? Yes. Okay. The Paradise Miguelia area is very rural. Um, it's very foresty. The fire was traveling at like, I think it was something crazy, like 80 foot be- football fields a minute. I mean, it was coming Jeez. fast. People didn't have time to do anything, you know, other than run. Yeah. So you're and, saying people who keep livestock, they were letting the livestock go so that they could flee on their own? Is that, is that yes. what you're saying? Yes. If they wouldn't load in, I mean, they probably tried to load them up or if they don't have a trailer, you know, it's all very chaotic. Horses get right. scared. They just, you can't, you know, you can't sit there and fight with them. So a lot of them just got let go. Um, mm. Some, some people were working in Chico and they heard about it and they weren't allowed to get back up the hill to get to their animals that were in their homes. Um, I, the group of people that uh, were going in with trailers and just getting livestock out, you know, the first day, a lot of people just found horses roaming, you know, they were just bringing in horses from everywhere. Well, you, you also have crazy. a background, right? You work, with, you work with animals. You're an animal person, right? So you're a veterinary <laughs> yeah. technician. So this is your skill set, right? Whenever there's a crisis, <laughs> people think, what can I contribute? How can I help? And, and you felt that your experience and expertise with animals was, was the best way you could help out up there? I did. I felt like we needed to get a tra- I got a friend with a horse trailer. 
So and you kind of got some horse trailers, <laughs> attached them to your vehicles, and drove toward the fire. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, you were you were the only ones going hour. that direction. Yeah. <laughs> Us and other crazy people with trailers, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you encounter? I mean, what's what's the strategy for finding livestock, for finding horses, and then once you do, you know, how do you convince them you're trying to help them? Yeah. So we had a problem with a cow for about an hour trying to get the cow into the trailer. Uh, the way we were ran, we were really organized. We actually had a little dispatch team and they would dispatch us to a certain address looking for a specific animal. That way, you know, we were in contact with the actual owner to, to let them know where we were taking their animals once we got them, which was mostly okay. Gilroy, you know, because that's what's happening now is people know their animals are safe, but they don't know where they are. So it's hard to get them reunited. So at least... You know, when we did it, we we had like a record so we could let the owner know what was happening. Right. So that's how we knew where we were going, kind of. Yeah. We still had to and find how, a so, place. <laughs> could you see flames? I mean, the smoke must have been everywhere. Did you have a sense of how close yeah. you could and shouldn't go? Roads must have been closed, right? It was eerie because we were the only ones in a town. You know, like if you imagine going into a town that's just gone. Like everything yeah. is gone. It was it was very eerie. Everything was still um, smoking. We weren't in a fire danger per se, but had to watch out because there were down power lines, and yeah. you never knew there were little um, little flames, you know, stuff that was still burning. Yeah. And because that cow <laughs> didn't want to load in the trailer. Um, that cow. <laughs> that cow. I know. Train, train your cows to load up in case of emergency. <laughs> um, we got. We ended up being stuck up there at night, and that was really scary. I'm not going to lie, because there was no lights. There was smoke, embers. Um, we didn't I bet know. you can't tell what it looks like, like where you're at, because everything's right. gone. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly how it was. It was weird. It was very so do you easy. have any uh, tricks and tips for convincing a cow to get into a trailer <laughs> now that you had that experience? <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> it took four of us, a lot of pulling on the ropes, a lot of pushing from behind. Yeah. Um, eventually, the cow just decided to do it. I mean, we were pulling and tugging on that cow literally an hour. And at one point, I think my friend reached down and picked up her hoof to, like, get her to step into the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) And were you going up there mostly for horses? Or were you thinking about just family pets, even, you know, dogs and cats? We were checking on dogs and cats. um, But we mostly, the the animals that we took off the mountain, we took off goats, chickens, uh, two horses and a cow. Um, the cats, I think, because we were there, the fire started on a Thursday, and we were there Saturday and Sunday, and all the cats were still hiding. You know, a lot of them, were, it took them a few days to come out of hiding, and I didn't see any dogs. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's it incredible. Was, it was crazy. It was and definitely an experience. And you were able to experience. coordinate, once you, you know, found a horse or a cow you were able to coordinate with an owner and then i mean it must have been difficult because those people were displaced right like you're saying how they how were. could you meet with someone who doesn't have a home anymore? where do you go so um gilroy fairgrounds was the meeting point for the livestock and we had the owner's numbers so we were able to actually call them and let them know that we got their animals off the mountain and they were so grateful because that's all they had 
Like we were taking these horses. I mean, there was nothing left of their property. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't believe that they survived. Everything was burned around them. Yeah, it's just really crazy what animals can can go through. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's. <laughs> I I had no idea. I mean, I know that this kind of work exists, but of course, livestock. You know, that's not something a lot of people you could think. Oh, you could take your family dog, put them in the car, and evacuate when you evacuate. But it's very different. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of their livestock. dogs were at home, right? And they were at work, and they couldn't get right. back. That was the sad part. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I want to uh, turn to you, Wendy. Uh, first of all, I'm so glad you could be here, partly because I feel like a lot of the time we tend to event forget events like this, right? Like it's the national attention is completely focused on Harvey. Like every you turn on the TV, everything's Harvey. And then, you know, the weeks kind of tapers off and, and people move on. But the people who are affected by these events continue to deal with those lasting effects, from what I understand, that's what you know the past year has been like for you and your family. Can you just tell me a little bit about what you guys experienced during Harvey? I mean, uh, we uh, actually, my mom just moved back into the house today. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah. So she has, you know, is surviving the transition from losing everything familiar and getting, you know, and then trying to be healthy enough to get it all back. You know, it's not an easy thing to have to deal with sitting at FEMA in, in the time it takes to get the help that you need. And people yeah. that have jobs don't have time to go sit down at FEMA because they've got to keep supporting their families and paying their bills. So yeah. it's a very difficult. And uh, we, the worst part about it is my mom was a caregiver for her sister and uh, my concern from the beginning was that my aunt would not survive this transition until the home was ready. And she's not going to. So it's very difficult because she's been moved around and it's cost her. You know, it's cost her. Right. So her, your aunt's health uh, was already uh, not good, right? Before yes, Harvey she was bedridden at our house. Care of her. Okay. Okay. And then, of course, so what what happened? Just so I have a little bit of background, what was what were the series of events with your mom's house? How how close were they to the storm? Were they flooded? Was the house damaged? What what happened? The first when the storm first started coming in, the very first day, um, it started raining in her town, Dickinson, um, and they got fifty five inches in two hours. Wow. It actually came up from the bayou, and she called at 2.30 in the morning and said the water was um, at their ankles. And I said, okay, we'll start getting the pictures. You know, it's very chaotic because you're not thinking properly. Um, you're scared. It's in the middle of the night. She knew she had my aunt who was 400 pounds and cannot walk. Within 30 minutes, it was up to their knees. By 4 o'clock in the morning, it was up to their waist. Wow. And um, the thing that was a blessing was the house next door was a two story and they had built four feet up. So they were able to get over there. There were 48 people in that house from the neighborhood. 48 people in one home. Wow. And you could hear people 
screaming for help because you couldn't see the power was out. It was in the middle of the night and the water was moving swiftly. So it was to hear it on the phone was traumatized. I'm still it's traumatizing. And uh, my mother lost her house in a a fire five years ago. So when listening to her stories, I completely understand the differences in a fire. You cannot tell what you have left. All of it looks the same. Right. Um, At least in a flood, you can tell what you had, <laughs> you know, yeah. for insurance reasons. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and so, I mean, that's the only thing is that, that we could tell what you lost. But were they, was your mom uh, and, and her sister, were they caught more or less by surprise? Did they think they would be okay if they stayed at home with just a little completely, bit of flooding? Okay. She wanted me to come there. And I said, you come here because I live five blocks actually from the water. And, um, but I'm 15 feet up. And okay. so I said, so I didn't go. I would have been trapped down there, praise Jesus, because we they lost all their cars, you know, and um, and they had to be you know rescued by a boat in the middle of the night. So I wish so all forty eight all forty eight people who were in that house were eventually rescued by a boat in, in the middle. Yes, of the night. two or three at a time. Wow, that's incredible. And, scary. and your home. Your your home, you were okay because, as you said, you were 15 feet up or so. But there was still a, a right. significant surge, though, right? Oh, so not, we, um, actually, we're on a point. So the water sucks into the lake and the bayous. It goes mm. away from us. So I knew from the previous storm that they did well here. So I wasn't, I really wasn't too worried. Okay. Um, but every one of my friends, and family, high school, teachers, when your whole community has hit 7,500 homes in our town, yeah. you know, and only 20% of people had insurance, 20%. Yeah. So it's, it's changed everybody's lives. And I don't know, it's, it, you kind of live in fear, you know, of what's going to happen next, when it's going to happen again. And when you were talking about earlier how people forget, but it's so hard when there's so many disasters and shootings and all kinds of different things that people have to direct their attention to. You just have to take care of yourself and take care of your community. You know, it's, it's hard to take on the fire because it almost throws you in another like level of shock that this keeps happening to our country. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that aspect because I think that is part of it. I don't mean to say that, you know, to to be dismissive of society at large. Oh, we don't care because I think we do in general, we do. And people come together to help where they can, but it's hard as, as you say, with successions of events and sometimes the way that intense media focus uh, it's terrifying. Well, it's they hard, scare you, you know? too. They scare you, yeah. too. And so, you know, when you're listening to all this, it's almost that you just can't take it on. You know, you just yeah. because you're still in survival mode here. And it just yeah. it, it's upsetting. You know, and I have a cousin in Santa Monica, you know, and I have, you know, family. We have family all of, all over the coast. So, you know, we were worried about those folks, too, you know, making sure they got safe. And, uh, you know, it's just. It's just as sad, scared, you know, sad yeah. for those people. What was your mom's experience over the past year? Was she, did she have another place to, to live? Did she, did she and her sister found another place temporarily or what they've been doing? Uh, my mom's been staying with an 84 year old friend and she had an extra room, but you know how it is <laughs> living with yeah. family. You're getting, yeah. you know. 
You yeah, already know you have problems with that. You know, yeah, so living with a, another person that you really, you know, it's 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 just difficult, and you don't have anything yeah. that you love, you know. And yeah. it, she's gone through it, you know. She's she she breaks down all the time. She yells and screams. She's it's hard to be around her, to be honest, because <laughs> she's very <laughs> erratic. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, that kind of stress and trauma really takes a toll. And that's when we start to, you know, come apart at the seams a little bit. You know, it's hard to it's hard to keep it together through all of that. But, um, yeah, but you, you said she, you said she moved back in. Was it did she move back into today? Her she she's staying for the first home? night tonight in her house. <laughs> that's incredible. That's great. Well, I'm really happy to hear that. She she must be thrilled, right? She's you know it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Uh, she seemed very nervous. Yeah, like she was out of place, you know. Yeah. And I don't know. I just couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. You know, it's just it's a lot to take on. It's, it's hard for her yeah. to be happy when her sister's dying in the hospital, you know. And um, of course, you know, having to make yeah. decisions um, about her life. Yeah, it doesn't solve everything. There's still a lot of remaining questions. Uh, and especially after that kind of trauma, I can only imagine uh, how hard it is to get a good night's sleep or celebrate any kind of victory. But I'm very happy to hear that she's back in her home uh, and that she Thank did get, get to go back to her own home. Her own home. Um, it's, yeah. it's our own home. Uh, yeah. we're, our house was uh, completely 100% we got you know destroyed. Um, so yeah. therefore when a house is over 50% damaged, you have to go to code. Yeah. So her house was built in 1960. So they had to completely redo the the power and the plumbing, yada, yada. Right. So that was a long, you know, a lot, a lot of work, a lot of, we had to take it. And the mold was so bad that we had to, it was just the mold of was awful. Yeah. Of course. I want to ask you, Dana, very briefly, just to give us, maybe we can get some geographic help about uh, the fires. I'm from California. I'm from Northern California. I'm from San Francisco. But a lot of those parts that are north outside of the Bay Area, they get lost. Well, even for someone like me who's from Northern California, it can get a little jumbled uh, geographically. And I'm trying, you know, I I keep looking at maps. I, I don't live in San Francisco anymore. Uh, I live on the East Coast, but I paid very close attention, of course, because I have friends all over. I have friends in Chico and Willows and, and those towns up north. Um, but you said you know the Paradise area well, or you've spent some time in, in Paradise itself. Can you talk a little bit about that town and whatever kind of before and after you might have experienced there? So uh, it was a long time ago, <laughs> but uh, I lived in Chico when I was in junior high. <laughs> Okay. And my dad would take me to Paradise because um, Paradise was beautiful. You know, this little mountain town. A lot of the residents there were retired, yeah. um, which made it hard for them to get out quickly. And then, but there was this awesome wooden bridge called the Honey Run Bridge. And it was the only one of its kind. And it was a, you know, covered wooden bridge. And it'd been there for a long time. I forget, like over 150 years. And that was a really good memory that I have with my dad. And it actually burned down. And so uh, I actually, I got a picture of it because we ended up going down that road to um, look for some some animals. And it's pretty, pretty sad. Um, so the bridge is still there, but it's charred, right? It is. It's, no, it's, it's gone. Burnt. Is that it burned. In, it's gone. It's, it's totally gone. Yeah. And it survived one fire not that long ago. Uh, the residents actually, people left their own homes to save the bridge. 
and they wow. saved it that time. But this time, this wow. fire was crazy. It was just mm. really crazy. But geographically, if you're looking at a map of the South Bay, so like San Jose and Los Gatos and all of that, um, yeah. imagine the South Bay being on fire. Mm. And, and that is what um, we were dealing with. Do you, and, do you mean in terms of topography or, or uh, population density or? Just area. Just if you're looking yeah. at the area. That size, size. Exactly. Okay, that yeah, size, size wise. Yeah. Yes. It was very rural. So there's probably a lot more people in the South Bay. <laughs> right. Um, the problem is people were, were told that they, first they were told they didn't have to leave. And then 30 minutes later, they were told they had to get out now. Just a lot of sort of, you know, it just changed really fast. And did you, uh, did you have a lot of interaction? I know you said you were coordinating with people up there, helping them to find their animals. Did you hear a lot of stories about people's firsthand experiences and, and what they were going through? Yeah, there's some scary, I had some friends up there that have some scary stories. And then we met, um, you know, people, people are amazing too. <laughs> you know, we met people that had lost everything and their attitude was still just like, you know, they were happy that they were alive, that they were Amen. alive, that they had their family. Um, you know, they realized that it was, it was stuff and obviously they were going to have to, you know, some people were staying in tents in the Walmart. Some people were able to stay in hotels. It's just, it, everybody's kind of all over the place, but their attitude yeah. was still so, so just positive. It was, it was really inspiring actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. It's a perspectivizing event, especially if you're a little bit on the outside of it. That's incredibly inspiring. Um, Wendy, you mentioned earlier uh, that your mom dealt a lot with FEMA um, and maybe you were doing some of that too. And, and it's like a full-time job. You're saying the amount of time it's a full-time it takes. Job. To... I mean, you wait, you have to sit there, wait in line uh, and wait in line in two or three or four hours, eight hours every day. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if you didn't have a job, I mean, that was the only way that you could get it all done. You know, it's, there were, you have, there's so many forms and so many interviews and so many, it's just, it shouldn't be that difficult to get help. They should make that process simpler and simplify it. Right. And, are, you know, sh- why do all that? Do you know you lost everything? <laughs> it's yeah. gone. So yeah. just get the stuff done, handle up, you know? That's what I don't understand. I don't understand why it has to and be your so mom, hard. your mom's objective in that time was to show what she had lost so that she could get well, support to get in, help. in making her home livable again or to get, okay. Well, and many levels, yeah. many levels, because you have uh, a, a person who needs to go into a home because she, we had no ability to take care of her and she couldn't walk. So we had to get her in, in some kind of assisted living. Well, those places are $5,000 a month. So yeah. here you go. How are you going to pay for this Right. for 12 months? That's $75,000. I mean, if you're only got 150,000 on your insurance, well, how are you going to fix, fix your house now? You know, so, right. and they, they brought a trailer out to our property, which they had a, they built a 200 foot ramp for my amp, a 200 foot ramp. Can you imagine the cost wow. and the, the energy that they did to build that? And, and to me, why do that? Take that energy and that money and put it into the house and get her back in faster, right. you know? Right. Why 
bend all that. A 200 foot ramp, is that because she, to make it she accessible? Because she's by wheelchair. Oh, yeah. And that but was yet the solution she couldn't move. She couldn't get a it move in that FEMA trailer. She It was too small for her, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. So it was accessible by wheelchair, but once you're inside, you can't. Really well, she, around, you know, right? right, right. Not, not without worry that she is going to fall. You know, that was the hardest part. And then uh, to get people, you know, to find a place for her to be taken care of by, find a place yeah. that would accept a person of her um, disabilities. You know, it's yeah. especially for a person who is heavy. Um, a lot of people in that industry don't want to take it on. Right. Um, and so that was another problem. So, um, unfortunately, it's not been good for her. Yeah. And, well, and there's nothing- to what you said earlier, just about there is some resolution today uh, that your mom is back yes. in her home, but there's I mean. still a lot of lingering questions. And she has her respective trauma, and there are still questions um, about your aunt. I think that's a very important point to remember that this. Well, just think um, about the people who are wheelchair bound. Yeah. You know, all the people that have disabilities in a town of all these areas, people that are, are in wheelchairs, how are they going to get out? You right. know, how are they going to fix their homes? They can't even, they're in a wheelchair. How are they going to get to this, the FEMA? They never leave their homes, you know? And uh, it's, 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 it's a crazy situation. Yeah. That how many people can so, survive that? Well, as, as both of you know, our, our person in common is Tom, right? Yeah. Good old Tom, old, old friend of mine. I've known Tom almost 20 years now. I don't know if that compares to how long you've known Tom, but I've known well, him to me a pretty long time. <laughs> All right. Uh, but he, you know, this conversation started uh, because, you know, he comes on the show periodically. We worked together as journalists years ago, so we still collaborate on on some on some projects. And we did we had a conversation about how what kind of story we could tell about the fires that was important or relevant or how could we contextualize it. And he mentioned your experience with Harvey. And I thought, you know. What's important to me about the fires, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm biased in some ways because I'm from Northern California. Right. So it felt, you know, it hit home a little bit more. You connected um, to it, you know. Is that I, I just, um, you know, I want us to remember that that the people's lives were affected by uh, these, these disasters. Affected. It goes on, you know, it really continues. Uh, and I just think it's an important thing to remember and not just have this kind of laser point focus where we're, you know, chasing one tragedy after another. Um, so I, I think both of you, I, I personally have learned a lot. I think this will be very helpful for our listeners to kind of give some context. Uh, the fires are still very fresh. So, so people are still talking about that, but I think it's a really good reminder that Harvey was, was not that long ago. Uh, and people are still trying to find a way, um, to get back to normal. Uh, so thanks to both of you, Dana and Wendy. Once you guys are on the show, you're always welcome to come back. Uh, so thanks for taking the time tonight. All my best to both of you and to your families. Uh, and, and please reach out anytime. Thanks to you. Uh, and thanks to our listeners. Until next time, Quest On, everybody. This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.